everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined with Shelby Wallen. Hi Shelby. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. No worries. I'm excited. Let's get into the quick fire round so the guests can get get to know you a little bit better. Um, yeah, so first question is how old are you? I am 25. 25. And what <laughs> is your training? Like, what was your training um, and where are you dancing? Yeah, so I grew up, uh, started at a very small studio in Southern California called Inland Pacific Ballet Academy. Um, I sort of progressed there until my senior year of high school when I joined um, Pacific Northwest Ballet's professional division program in Seattle, Washington. I did two years in Seattle and out of that program, I got a quarter ballet contract with Los Angeles Ballet. And I am now currently in my sixth season with them in the core. Wow. Um, actually, I want to, I want to talk, I'm going to talk about that. We can talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, and what is your favorite piece of dance wear? Oh, okay. Does it have to be leotard specific? Because no, I know on anything. past podcasts. Okay, anything. We're broadening okay, it. <laughs> okay, great. I am I am not a big skirt person. Okay. I am much more of like a wrap type girl mm-hmm. for like a bottom cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this like square fabric scarf that my mom actually bought me. She, it was my first year in Seattle. She came up to visit and we were sightseeing. And we went into this like random little clothing shop and she ha- we both really liked it. We bought it and now I wear it as a wrap. So every time I put it on, I kind of think of my mom. It makes me happy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. That's such a cute little story. Um, and what point shoes do you wear? I have uh, custom freeds. Mm-hmm. I've gone through a few makers. Um, currently now I am in freed wing blocks um with diamond makers with a few specificities that I've made like I think I cut down the sides and elastic drawstrings and stuff but um I think this is so funny too I don't pass podcasts there have been um the whole debate on makers which cracks me up I have not worn butterfly maker (laughs) I have not worn butterfly maker but uh maybe I should you know a lot of people are wearing butterflies maybe I I should give them a try I know I'm saying the same thing do I start wearing freeds (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would highly recommend. I, I have loved them. I was in stock shoes before I was a professional and even the stock shoes were pretty okay. Mm-hmm. The custom is the customizations are really nice. Um, it is a little frustrating finding the maker that you like, but once you find your maker, I highly recommend. It's just like a little bit of growing pains in between the times <laughs> that you don't have your, uh, your perfect ones, you know, it's like Cinderella. Yeah. I feel like point shoes are definitely like Cinderella. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. They make a break. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
going into your journey oh wait no two more questions favorite okay. piece of choreography you've either performed or seen oh okay um I think so I am very much a story ballet sucker mm-hmm. I Sorry. love story ballets mm-hmm. I think they are so much fun it doesn't matter really what part you have there's just such a like camaraderie among your other dancers and, and it's so much fun mm-hmm. I it doesn't matter if I am the back of the back line or if I am solo's principal situation it literally doesn't matter to me I'm having the time of my life no matter mm-hmm. what story ballet it is and you feel sort of that matched energy from the audience too mm. that's really not that you don't get it in other ballets but there's something about the audience sort of following along the story that you're telling them that is just mm-hmm unmatched to me I think they're so fun so I think my favorite story ballet that I've done is Swan Lake only because there's such a you have to have such a connection between your fellow core women you know Mm -hmm. to all be the same and to all be breathing together and you feel that sort of magic drifting off of the stage into the audience and it's not that they really believe that you're birds but like for a moment you might believe that you're a bird you know Mm -hmm. in that most ballerina sense so I would say Swan Lake (laughs) long story short Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. Um, I feel the same. I mean, there's, yeah, nothing beats. I mean, I'm a sucker for like the village scenes. <laughs> I'm a oh sucker God, for the same. drama in the village scenes. Yes. There's nothing that makes me as happy, literally, I swear, than the drama that the core bring to the village scenes. Yes, or like I you're on the side. It it's so it's much. a classic, like a Don Q. You're you're over here bartering on the side oh. with someone. It's the best. It, it's the best. It? Literally, I'm oh, waiting yeah. for the day that day to happen. I'm just every day. I tell myself, um, like that is like such a motivation for me to like get a job. Is like I need to be. I need. I want to do the village scenes. I need to do Swan Lake. And I need to relive my true self. <laughs> yes, they are so much fun. Well, and, and it's those little parts of the stories too that I think, mm-hmm. I feel like it swings one, one way or the other. Either dancers really hate it and they're like, yes. literally not a single person is watching me over here at this yeah. cart, like mm-hmm. trying to buy fruit from this person. Or I like, I am on the side of, I am going to be the most convincing yes. <laughs> salesman that anyone has ever seen. <laughs> That is me. Oh my God. That yeah. reminds me. Yeah. Oh, we had this amazing um one of my French teachers at school. His name was Daniel Job. And I, I always wonder if anyone actually knows who he is, but um I know he did dance back in back in the day. And in Giselle Act One, he made us have real fruit baskets. So we had real grapes on stage. And I was eating the grapes and living my best life. <laughs> And he was like, like you have left. to be- please stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I think we got car- a bit carried away. <laughs> We're like, oh, would you like what? Yeah. Would you like to buy my grapes? Oh, delicious. Like literally. <laughs> it's amazing. I feel it like that was. would get messy. What if they fall and someone steps on them? You know, like they, they come off. Risky. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was okay. It was, in a, it was in a basket. So like you held the basket full of grapes and like you had to. You weren't dancing with it. It was more like carrying them about. But, yeah, you had to be careful. Um, but then my favourite part was right. going off stage and I, like, you know, snack a few grapes before 
going back on for Giselle, like for the <laughs> main corn Giselle. I was just like, need some grapes. Yeah, it's like you got to like angle the basket so that they don't see the blank part. You yeah, know? You exactly. Gotta, like, you just yeah, got to show so it. Can't fall. <laughs> I can't remember if anything ever did happen. I feel like it was mainly fine. Oh, but I just will never forget that 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 was an iconic moment. Um, <laughs> and going on to your favorite food. Oh, okay. Is this like desert island? I can only eat this from now on, or is this just no? Like, I mean, it can be if I, I had was, a preference. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh, like it's kind of hard. Like, maybe should I start asking, like, what's your favorite food? Like, what's your favorite? Go- what's your like mo- favorite food that you have like most of the time, or what's something that you love but you don't have it super often? But like, it's one of your faves. Like, I don't know. Okay, you can give me both. Okay. Okay. One that I don't have very often, but I do love, and this is actually, this is so funny. This is very much, um, you're like mid nutcracker run and you're so tired and you're so hungry. And all Uh you need is like, it's like, you've done a double show day of snow and flowers and like another soloist part. You're like quick changing and running and you haven't eaten all day and you finally get out of the theater and you're like, I, if I don't eat, I will eat my own vehicle on my yeah. way home. Like I yeah. will snack on my steering wheel. Yeah. Um, fried chicken. Ooh. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's like the protein. I just, I guess I crave protein when I'm working that hard. Like I just, it's something about it that it tastes so good. And it's like heavy, like mm-hmm. after the theater day, like it's just so satisfying. Um, so that's like, I don't have it very often, but like when I need it, I like, you get I it. need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have to get it. Yeah. Um, the most common, maybe I'm just a big chicken eater. I usually okay. do like, um, like, like <laughs> they're not fried. I usually put them in like, I'll do like uh chicken thighs, like mm-hmm. a one pan meal, like yes. after a long rehearsal day, it's usually like some on on a pan with some uh huge one pot meal Mm -hmm. person so I think chicken and vegetables roasted in the oven classic for me nice healthy satisfying all the things yeah it's got everything you need um yeah okay fab let's get get into your journey in dance um what did that look like growing up what was something that maybe inspired you to get into it um and then at what age did you decide you wanted to pursue it professionally? Sure. I have a little bit of a non-traditional path into dance. Um, I have two older siblings, full older siblings. Mm-hmm. My older sister is, it's my older sister, my older brother, and then me. My older sister did ballet and my older brother played soccer. So me being the youngest, my mom was like, I'm not managing a third child's sports schedule. So you either get to pick ballet or you get to pick soccer. Um, I tried soccer. I not only did not like it, I was really bad at it. <laughs> so like, I, I just didn't like to run. I don't think like, I just, I was not keen on like, passing the ball back and forth. I used to fight the other people on my team to be goalie because you got to sit and you got to like, that was me, you know, by the time, yeah, it's like, by the time that the ball gets to you, you know, the defense is going to get it. And then like, up, it went into the goal. Sorry guys. You know, my bad. Literally. (laughs) 
so I was not very good at it. I used to like fall and like quote unquote hurt myself so I could go sit with my parents. I have like distinct memories of those. And I'm sure my parents were so embarrassed. Um, I was very much in it just for the juice box and the orange Mm -hmm. slices at the end, you know? Nice. Yeah. Um, so my mom was like, well, all right, your other option is ballet. I was, (laughs) I laugh now because now that I'm a teacher, I see these kids and I'm like, you, like, I can't count you out Mm because I feel like you could be a professional. I was the kid. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I was the kid who would like, it's probably like four years old, five years old. And I would sit down in the middle of class. They, everyone else would be facing the bar and their little pizza first position doing like learning plies and learning second, first, second, fourth, fifth situations. Um, and I would just sit down and I have again, distinct memories of like, Shelby, you need to stand up. And I'd be like, mm, I don't really feel like it. And be like, mm. <laughs> Not today. Everyone else is doing their plies. <laughs> I think you need to get up and do your plies. And I'd be like, mm, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm good here. And they're like, well, if you're going to sit down, can you at least do like a butterfly stretch or like feet in front, you know, can you like touch your toes? And I'd be like, no, nah, I don't really feel like doing that either. I'm just going to sit and do this. I'm just going to sit crisscross applesauce and call that good. Um, and I think it really got to the point where my mom, I, I don't really remember exactly how the conversation went. I'm sure based on all of my other memories, I'm sure it was something along the lines of sarcastically saying, you know, what are we going to have to do? Pay you. Mm. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) So my mom used to pay me. (laughs) It's so funny now. She loves to tell me, she loves to remind me. She used to pay me $3 ballet class to go in and get through it and behave myself. Yeah. I was a professional from a very age. (laughs) God, you'd be making I was making bank. It was great. Yeah. But then there there came a point, I think it was like, oh, maybe third grade, maybe a few years later that I do remember like (laughs) this one. I do remember. I do remember her looking at me and being like, oh, I forgot to pay you. And I was like, you know, it's all right. Like, you don't really have to pay me to do it anymore. Like, it's, it's okay. I'll just, I'll just do it. And she was like, okay, that's (laughs) doesn't sound like my child. Um, so I think it was very, I really liked those like little dopamine spikes that you get of doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. Like the positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. of like, that's exactly what I need. Like you're, that's the exact right first position. That's the exact way to do a plie. You're, you know, you're holding your arms correctly. That's you're getting so much better. All of those kinds of things really resonated me, resonated with me. I think, Mm -hmm. um, there were also a few other girls like, I remember it getting really young, which I wasn't a big fan of, but looks really good. Maybe I should do that. Or like, maybe I should start working on those things. Or with my older sister, um, she, like by the time that I had gotten to this point, she you know like Boris from the corner or like PK turns on point or and really wanting to try the think that was a really big thing for me was watching her get to do all the really cool stuff and being like if I if I can do all of like this foundational stuff really well I'll get to the really cool stuff and that's what I want to do 
Um, so I think from that point forward, then it was like getting point shoes. And then it was like the challenge of, I don't know, like learning. Cause I mean, dancing obviously in flashes versus point shoes is very different. Yes. Um, so I think it was learning the, the transitional things, you know, like getting up on, on from, you know, your demi point to your point, all of that kind of stuff. And, and transitioning the steps that we had learned from flat shoes into point shoes was really interesting to me. So I think from that point forward, I just found things that I wanted to learn for myself. Um, and I had teachers that were really willing to sort of mold the classes to what we wanted because it was such a small school. So if we brought them questions or we brought them steps that we wanted to try that we saw the older kids doing, they would either say like, it's like your second day on point. We're not doing fuetes <laughs> or like, <laughs> oh, you know, like we can, we can break, you know, like, of mm. course we can break down, um, we can break this down a little bit more or like, yeah, okay. If you want to learn, if you thought that boys were really cool, maybe we do them at the bar today, you know, they're supported and we learn sort of the mechanics of it or why they're important. I also remember ballet history being really important at that studio, which I very much appreciate now. Um, we always learned about different story ballets that maybe if, even if the sort of small affiliated company that we had, even if we weren't performing that, we still were exposed to those stories, which was really cool. Um, I think when I wanted to be a professional, I wasn't actually really sure for a really long time. It wasn't until my junior year of high school that I, so I actually auditioned for the PD program at PNB twice. Okay. The first year that I auditioned, I was over, it was over the summer. I didn't get in. And I remember knowing that if I did want to do this professionally, I knew by that point that I had sort of absorbed all that I could from that small studio. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that I would need a bigger program to help me make the push over to a professional career. Yeah. So I was very, very eager to get into either a school or a trainee program. And I knew that it sort of, it had to be done. Um, I remember having a meeting with them and them sort of telling me, it's not that you're not good enough. It's just like, first of all, you're a year too young anyway. Like okay. taking another year where you are is not really that harmful for you. I think it would be really good. They just said, you know, go home, work your hardest and come back the next year. Okay, that's um, I remember like- yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. Of course, at the mm. time it like really felt like the world was ending. Cause yes, I really of course wanted to like, get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. So of course it's like tearful phone calls with yeah. my mom oh, and she's like, in. well, of course. Yeah. And she's like, first of all, it sounds like they were really nice. Second of all, like let's put your teenage mind like to rest for just a second. Um, we actually ended up getting an advertisement in the mail for, so sorry to backtrack up until this point, I was also in full-time public school. Okay. So from, I was balancing school, like a normal school day in the morning, like everyone else and dancing at night, which isn't uncommon for dance students. Right. Um, we got a, an advertisement in the mail for a school that had opened up for sort of like non-traditional students. Mm -hmm. um, and it was fully like an independent study program still a public school, but they were very much more because we were located in Southern California. There were a lot of kids in there that wanted to do like acting or like yeah. actress, actress, or sorry, actress, actors. Mm -hmm. um, 
And a lot of that was like, well, I, I'm getting pulled out of school for these audition calls. And like, if I can do school at my own pace, that's better. Mm -hmm. And it was myself and another girl from our dance studio who were like, well, we could dance sort of like with the affiliated company in the mornings and do our school classes at night and then fit in public school sort of intermixed in our breaks um, so that the priority shifts to like more full-time ballet and part-time school rather than full-time school, part-time ballet. Yeah. Um, and I, I do remember that being a big fork in the road on whether or not it was like, if I'm going to leave public high school and pursue this full-time, this feels like I'm trying to do this professionally. Mm -hmm. And if I make this decision and I don't want to do this professionally, it's not that there wouldn't be a point to it, but I could just continue as I am and go to college. Like there's not really any benefit to taking this pathway if I'm not going to do this professionally. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, yeah, like that junior year of high school that I decided to do that independent study program. That was very much like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go as hard as I can. I'm going to lean fully forward into the professional and just see what <laughs> happens. Uh, the next year I went back for the summer and got into the PD program uh, luckily and ended up going for my senior year. And like, I took a gap year in between, uh, high school and college okay. for that second year in Seattle, mm -hmm. got my job at LA ballet, ended up moving back to Southern California and been here ever since. Wow. That's <laughs> blanket That's statement. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I think like, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I was just going to say what I guess, I guess going into that experience were there any challenges that stood out to you during your maybe your transition from dancing with education to going to the um, professional division at um oh my god I forgot the name Philadelphia no not is it oh, yeah. Pen 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Philadelphia it's Philadelphia isn't it is it it's uh Seattle Seattle uh, so wait so what's is it yeah, pennsylvania pacific, pacific northwest, northwest oh my god i'm getting like yeah. pennsylvania i know Philadelphia. they all sound the same i'm literally <laughs> like the peas and i just see them everywhere and i'm literally like pee something yes. <laughs> that sounds so dumb like all I'm, yeah all the american <laughs> listeners are gonna be like who is this girl like she has no idea no no we get it um <laughs> we get yes, it no, all the same. Same. no i know it's letters. in seattle because I, I know yeah i vaguely know someone who's there so like <laughs> Um, and I have a friend who went there. So like, why am I, I'm, okay, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, did you, were there any challenges that stood out, that stand out to you from those years, um, especially transitioning to, into a very serious program where, I mean, there's more, the competition is higher, the stakes are higher, you're performing with the company because I know PMB do a lot of company work. So what was that like? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think that I was actually set up really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really lucky that at this small studio, I had teachers that knew what I would be up against. Okay. So I was exposed to a lot of, I think, similar situations that I have sort of encountered in my professional career, I encountered those very early on. Okay. Um, and I think that's like one of the main things that I've taken away from that small studio is knowing that I was set up for success. Like no matter what I wanted to do, it's 
you know, being able to handle your stress and able to handle your anxiety and able to handle, you know, how other people affect you. Mm -hmm. Um, I've taken that even beyond my dance career into just normal life, you know, like those things don't go away really ever, you know, in any work environment, you're always going to have people that are competitive. You're always going to have, you're always going to be up for the same types of promotions or the same projects or, in just having to work with other people in general, I think I was set up really well and specifically for like a professional division program where you're up against other ballet students. I was really lucky to have teachers early on support me through that, I guess that junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that that was my goal and they knew what I would face. So they, they tried to make it as much not a shock as possible, I guess, okay. as minimal of a shock. Yes. So when I got there, I, I didn't pick P and B as, well, I didn't pick the professional division program because of the performing opportunities. I okay. picked it because of the way that they handle company auditions for us. Okay. And what's that? So in other, yeah, in other, um, other training programs, or I can't say like all training programs, but a lot of other training programs, you have to do the normal audition route. So you have to go and you have to send your stuff out yourself. You have to go and do those cattle calls. You have to go and fly around and figure it out. Right. But uh, PNB does something really special for us that Mm. they sort of fly directors to us. We don't have to fly out to those directors. Mm-hmm. So they would walk in your, your own studio. You're with your own classmates. You're not in an unusual environment. It's your usual teachers. And the directors just sit at the front of the room. So I think that helped me a lot in a saving money, not having to like go out and do um, all of the sort of cattle call auditions. Yes. But it also helped me stay. I guess comfortable. Like, I think that was, I guess, the one thing that I wasn't super prepared for that I had never been in before was like an audition situation. That wasn't like a summer program, right? Mm -hmm. Summer program auditions are a little bit different. Company auditions are a little bit more like everyone's got their claws out and everyone's got, you know, everyone has like, there's like one spot that you're vying for and you've got 500 girls with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm lucky that I never really had to do that. I, it was still very competitive among us, but it was like, you knew the personalities in the room, you knew what the teacher was going to give you. We, I mean, we got like some really softball teachers too, who would be like, um, this combination is going to be repeated. <laughs> in we'll your, be doing this in the audition. In LA Valley audition. Yeah. So, uh, if you okay. want to maybe, uh, practice this one wink, wink on the side, maybe <laughs> this one would be a good one. One uh, of those ones. Um, but I think that was really helpful. So that's why I picked that program only because I figured that even if I didn't get any other anything else out of that program Mm -hmm. that like that was enough for me to say that that was worth trying for Mm -hmm. um other challenge I guess it was just knowing whether or not I mean and everyone I'm sure goes through this but it's whether or not it's the right choice you know it's like I don't at the time too putting myself back in that 18 year old body I had no idea whether or not this was actually something mm-hmm. that A, I wanted really, or B, that I 
like realistically could accomplish. Mm -hmm. Like everybody in my class was just as good as I was. We were all sort of very, uh, we were improving altogether, which was great. And it was a really healthy environment in that sense. Mm -hmm. But in that case, it's like, you're not really a, a big fish in a small pond anymore. Like you're all the same size fish and you're all in the same environment together with the same teachers. And in a way, like, yeah, the audition's easier for me, but it's also easier for everyone else. So, so as a, as it a was class, a, I think that, yeah, it was yeah right. It's right. So I think both good and bad in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to sort of take those two years as an, a question mark. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure if I would come out with anything or if, you know, I mean, I was willing to at least at the end of those two years, try really hard for those two years and give it everything I have to get a job. And if I didn't, I was very willing to walk away from it and just say okay, that I did what I could. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I definitely remember having a conversation with my parents about whether or not I would want to stay and start school in Seattle, mm -hmm. or if I would want to come home and start school back here. Um, but I definitely had contingency plans. It was definitely like, I'm going to give it 120% of everything. Mm -hmm. And if I get it, great. And if I don't, then I will figure it out, I guess. <laughs> I'll figure out what I want to do. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was very willing to, to put it to the side if I really needed to. Okay. Um, yeah. But luckily, I mean, I ended up with a contract um, mm. very luckily. And it just so happened to be back close to family, which is great. And yeah. I've been here ever since. Yeah, I found that so, I mean... Lots of interesting things in that because I know, I mean, I didn't know that about PMB and I mean, every program is different. Every school is completely different. Um, I know in the UK that happens at Royal directors come in from all over the world. Yeah. Um, I think that may happen all slight to a similar degree at EMB as well. Um, mm. Not, not social, not, I don't know about central. I need, I, I need, I would need to ask about people who are there. Um, not sure about, I mean, I don't know about really any of the other schools. I know where I trained, that wasn't the case. And yeah, we had to go and externally um, source auditions. Um, and it's interesting because I think I was talking to someone about this yesterday. And I think this is something that's very interesting about ballet is that there is no, um, Oh, I don't know what, how to explain it, but there's no, oh my God, what, how, what am I trying to say? Essentially everywhere's different and the way people get jobs mm -hmm. is so different. Like there's no standardized way of getting work. Um, I mean, I guess I'm aware that happens in other industries, but like to think that for some people, they're at a school where a director will automatically be invited to go watch them for example, at the Royal Ballet School, um, a director from another UK company will get invited and go. Whether the students ask for that or not, the directors, that's all planned out. But then someone else who may be, I won't say of like the same standard, but a dancer who is capable of dancing the corps de ballet will maybe email these companies externally on their own and get no reply. 
And then this is where like, it's like, okay, so the people getting jobs are the people coming, like, I mean, you're nodding your head and we all, I'm sure there's people who are literally like, yes. Like, (laughs) I mean, getting into company class as it is, is is impossible. It's like, I, and then if, and then it makes sense. Like people get work because of the connections they have. And, you know, you can say, oh, I didn't get in because I didn't. I don't have, it's not like I have a friend in the company. No. Okay. But you're maybe at a school where you were able to have exposure to the director that someone else may never have the opportunity of even getting in front of that director. And that's yes. where it's just so crazy how, I don't know, like I find it so interesting. Like it really fascinates me the, how every school and person within yeah. that will have a different, like the amount of opportunities they have is completely different. And I think going into training, yeah. that's not something everyone thinks about. And I, like, if I went back and thought about, okay, my train, like really thought about it. Like I decided I only want to do ballet professionally when I was 14. Um, but I had no idea that that's how it worked in the sense that some schools directors came in and some schools don't. Because when you're comparing this industry to say musical theatre, there is much more of directors and casting agents going to see musical theatre shows and being invited to more schools rather than say the top three like they're going to all of them or at least the majority more than in ballet um and it's just crazy so anyone listening think about (laughs) think about that (laughs) might make your life easier (laughs) yeah I mean like you can look at it from two ways too right there's like from the student perspective whether or not that gives you a leg up. And I guess from the company perspective, if it's like we've hired dancers out of this school before and they've been really successful in this company. So you would keep going back to that school if you like the way that those kids are trained, those students are trained. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like there's definitely an inequality for uh, opportunities that way. And I guess maybe because there, at least in the United States, there's so many small studios, like Mm. there's so many, like very mom and pop type studios that I just don't know if it would be possible for a director to go to every single one, but that's not to say that there are not the, even like just the middle tier, Mm -hmm. right? There's not really any, I shouldn't say, actually, I don't have any knowledge on other Mm -hmm. training programs that aren't really like the only ones that I know of that I can directly relate to are auditioning at School of American Ballet and those huge, huge, huge cattle call auditions. Um, And I only know that from talking to some dancers at LA Ballet who came from there, Mm -hmm. that um, some of them came from within School of American Ballet and they said that they still had to even do the cattle call auditions. They didn't get private auditions. They had to do like- Actually, I've heard that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you're still, I mean, like you more than likely have a little bit of a leg up, but I remember her talking about this friend of mine was talking about how the expectation on those students from school of American ballet to be auditioning at school of American ballet was like absurdly higher than everyone else. It was like our, the teachers there and the instructors there were all so, uh, what's the word? Like, 
I guess like not overbearing. That's that's definitely the wrong word. But I guess they they just set expectations very high for their students. And it's like if your hair is not absolutely perfect, if you don't have the exact shade of lipstick on that you need to have on, if you don't have the exact flattering leotard that we told you to wear and you don't look like you represent this school well, mm-hmm. we are going to be very upset. Yeah. Like the the responsibility to represent that school in that setting is mm-hmm. an astronomical amount of pressure yes versus I guess like my experience was like I just show up in my uniform leotard (laughs) I take class like usual and yeah yeah, it's like I can stand like I stand in my usual bar spot and I Mm -hmm. stand in my usual leotard and it's my usual teacher and like this is as friendly as this situation could yeah it's like as friendly and calm Mm. like it's still very stressful but Mm. because you're vying for a job but it's yes like the most I guess, inclusive environment, mm. whether that's for better or for worse, you could argue both sides of that as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like even I've noticed like out of college dance programs, there are definitely specific companies that I've noticed are like direct feeders out of those um, okay. like company school or not, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, those college schools, yep. or, like those dance programs in college. Mm-hmm. There are definitely companies that are direct, direct, direct hires from those companies, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, And I guess it's just like director preference at the time Mm. or what they feel they value within the dancer. Like I would imagine that hiring someone out of a college program, you could argue that because they're usually a little bit older, they're not 19, they're like Mm -hmm. 22, 21, 22. Um, They might be a little bit more established as a professional presence yeah like you're not as much of a child you're still a little bit of a child but you're not like you're not fresh out of high school yeah yeah right it's like you more than likely have been around the block for a bit you Mm -hmm. understand your responsibilities here you have experience and what's expected of the job Mm -hmm. so I don't know I mean I guess, yeah, it must just come down to director preference, I guess. And, and yeah. I guess that's also the fact that this is such a subjective art form that it just is really all dependent on who well, you have at the front exactly. of the room and who you know. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. And I mean, looking at both from a, I mean, there's so many perspectives of how it would work and how, why it works and why it is the way it is. Like, I completely get, why a director like it on for them they're just trying to fill a position they're just trying to fill the core most like not just that there's they're looking for something but like I think at the end of the day they're just they're looking for someone who will do the job well and if they have had dancers come from a particular school in the past of course they're going to go back and look there or be looking out for that name on a cv it makes sense. Right. Because then it's... But on the flip side, to argue your point, mm. that doesn't mean that the dancer who sent an email to you with their reel and has different work experience, they might be an even larger asset to you that they oh. have mm-hmm. a set of experiences that's different than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think that that's an excuse for... No, absolutely not. not no, to no, it's definitely not know? an excuse. Absolutely not an excuse. Um No. I mean, that's just we can get into a whole systemic <laughs> argument about ballet. Like, I it, sometimes it baffles me. Like there's gen, like there's in these big companies, there's people who are paid to reply to emails. 
That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all there is. That's all you have to say. That's all you yeah, have to say. Exactly. I hear you. Um, so, so going on to, you know, now you're dancing with Los Angeles Ballet. Transitioning from the PMB program to Los Angeles Ballet, you know, moving into a professional company, what was that like? And did you feel prepared? Um, or were there, have there been any challenges with that transition? Yeah. 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 So I felt, I felt really prepared from the professional division going into the court of ballet. Um, one thing that our court of ballet is really known for is picking up choreography at an absurd rate. Like we pick it up immensely fast and anyone who comes into guests and fill in some holes for us mm-hmm. um, that's the usually the one thing that they move at, like to learn things at a execute and remember choreography and to really like not, not stop thinking while you're dancing um i felt very prepared from i'm a television student usually as a professional division student you're standing in the back of the room and you have maybe one or two core Court of ballet spots that you're watching and observing. Um, a lot of times, one court of ballet member is also learning a soloist or principal role, and those those schedules or rehearsals conflict, and they end up going into the soloist rehearsal instead of the court of ballet, filling in those spots. Um, to be able, like you, very much stick out like a sore thumb in those rehearsals only because you're wearing your uniform. Um, you very much look like a student in that case. So rehearsal directors, even if they don't mean to, their eyes are going to you. And I think just more realistically, if those company members end up doing those solos or principal roles, or even if they get hurt, you're the one who's going to fill that in. Mm-hmm. So they need to make sure that you can actually execute the things that you're learning and if you can't, then they're going to replace you. Yeah. So to be able to sort of like wrap your mind and keep focused under the might get taken out. I guess like dealing with like all of the stress emotions and um, I guess just the pressure from the back of the room, because then you have the other girls in the back too, who are like, if you mess up, I get that spot. So mm-hmm. I would really love it if you mess up. Um, I think it... Um, to be yelled at, you know, you keep it together and you still like, you can't, you can't waver. You got to just like, keep moving forward. Don't make that mistake again. And it's fine. You know, I think in, in those cases, I was very prepared for the work that was going to be asked of me when I got here. Yeah. Um, and I think now, like as a little bit more of a senior core member, it's, um, the pressure is a little bit relieved. I think they know that like, if I do mess up in a rehearsal, it's a one-time thing. They don't really have to yell anymore. <laughs> they're too bad. They're yelling at the new people now. So like, okay. I'm not, I have officially transitioned into not being yelled at the new people anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like the, you know, you messed up. I don't need to say anything. And it, I give them the like gentle head nod of like, yes, yes, it's fine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't yell at me. Yeah. Um, I'm asked to do it I was very prepared for Mm -hmm. that's really good um and I think I mean that's all really that you want from a program that you know puts you into a company environment is to be prepared for the profession because it's it is very hard to replicate 
uh, what a professional ballet career will be like for students. Um, and I think a lot of schools are trying out with yeah. doing performances and giving students the opportunity to do like, you know, learn repertoire and then perform it, maybe tour it. But I feel like that's never, there's nothing that quite is the same as having to work with a company, having the pressure of people that have, you know, a certain power over you, having the pressure of having to learn stuff super last minute um, or go in for someone who maybe is injured. Um, I mean, you can kind of replicate that in school, but it's 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 hard to replicate that. Um, so, I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, but- it's, it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can either, um, if you're too... I guess nice mm. <laughs> maybe is like a bad word if you're because okay, you yeah. want to be encouraging but if yes. you're like too easy yes on the trainees or like the the pre-professionals then it's not realistic but you also don't want to be like so I guess like hammer and nail with it mm-hmm. that you get discouraged like yes, it's it's definitely exactly. a tightrope walk as a, a pre-professional student mm. to like want to be pushed and challenged but also, or I guess like the, I think one thing that sometimes is missing is the ability to make a mistake. Yes. Like you, as long as you understand that the mistake you're making can't happen more than once, I Mm -hmm. think that's all that matters. Like sometimes I think that gets a little bit too, Mm -hmm. what's the word? You know what I mean? It's like, I know what you mean. It's demanding. So you have to be able to deal with someone demanding things of you, Mm -hmm. but you yeah, like you can't be too like one strike and you're out yes. because it's also not super realistic. As a company mm-hmm. member, like I'm not going to get fired for messing up one time. Yeah. You know, like I'll get yelled at probably, but like, I'm not going to get, not gonna lose you, you know, my it. contract's not going to be revoked <laughs> in the middle of the season over it. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like, I understand that it's, that it's important. Mm-hmm. And I understand that my job as the dancer is to make the person at the front of the room's job easier. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't really have to worry about me. But I don't know. I think maybe that's one thing that I think pre-professional programs could think about a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. I think actually this brings us to like a, a bridge point of talking about whether or not we treat dancers enough like humans. Mm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're treated very much. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's very, that's also a very fine line. It is a you very know? fine line. It's like, line. I understand that this job is unique. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're all, we're all people we're first. All people. And I think <laughs> you know? that's what, it's very interesting because I think every, I mean, I would be intrigued what dancers, what every, I say what every dancer, but if you were to compile a pool of dancers, I wonder if everyone would agree on that because I think some dance, there might be some dancers that I say live in a bubble, but if they're in a quite a protected company that, has really good funding, yeah. is really good with hours, is really good with giving point, you know, you'll give it like you're and you're treated like you should as as they should. Like we all want that. Yeah. But like if you've yeah, had that straight from concept. school, <laughs> if you've had that straight from yeah, school, yeah, right. You're gonna be, you're going to be, I say conditioned, but like, and if that's the environment you're in, you are gonna be like, okay, well, actually this career as a ballet dancer is it's hard work but I'm getting 
treated as I would have hoped. And we love that. Like we need that more in the industry. But then on the other hand, there are people that are working in like, I mean, even in the States, I'm sure even in the UK, but I know a lot of dancers from the UK will go off to work professionally in Eastern Europe, particularly prior to Brexit, when we could easily get like easily work. And I think it's quite a big culture change to work in a country where like it's I don't know how to explain it except the conditions just aren't the same as (laughs) they're just not the same and I hear you if you've had that experience yeah like if you've had that experience you'll understand um but there'll be dancers that will never have to I say have to but like they've been in a position where they've been able to join um a lot more better funded company um and therefore they won't have to experience what it's like to get one pair of point shoes a season sort of thing or be paid below minimum like literally have to pay for their own toilet paper in in the changing rooms like what is going on um and that's the thing like it, there is no yes. standardization in the industry yes. yeah i also would be curious if you're right no i think i think dancers would have very differing opinions mm-hmm. i th- think i think that's really interesting i don't know if all of us would agree mm, that's but what i'm I mean, also I don't curious know. if we wonder this a lot over here okay if, like i wonder if donors also would disagree mm. see like I, I wonder if the donors who are donating to larger companies mm-hmm. if they are the larger companies versus the donors that donate to the smaller companies if mm-hmm. they would have shared experiences only in that sector of it mm. where like the dancers are definitely treated very very differently mm-hmm. um and the experiences of dancers are very different but i wonder if the donor differences are as uh, in like they're as well. how they're treated or if they if they're even aware mm. Well, that's the, it's interesting because. Yeah, maybe not how they're treated, but like if, yeah. Or, or just like how um, how the dancers are treated compared okay. to. Like, I wonder if the donors at the larger companies assume that dancers everywhere are treated okay. the same. Yeah. Okay. Or I've if got... they care, I guess. Or I guess they... if you're only donating to one company, you might not really care. Yeah. It's interesting. Um the whole donor situation really it is so I find it so fascinating because it isn't the same in the UK as it is in the states because a lot of our the majority of our ballet companies are government funded or have a large chunk of government funding (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting too yeah I mean there are that's really interesting there are donors like right. I know and we have a lot of um I guess like companies funding production so for example mm-hmm. um English National Ballet are currently dancing a Forsyth double or triple bill I'll, I'll need to double check I'm going to see it anyway um and that is being mm-hmm. sponsored by Cunard <laughs> Cunard it's a which is like a um ship ship company it's been spawned. It, get, 
EMB is That's a company you can get government funding, but they'll have productions. Like I think recently BRB had a production. They recently did Don Q and that was sponsored by, mm. I want to say a bank, Barclays, something like they got a large chunk of money from like a big company to put on a production. But then as a company as a whole, like BRB or EMB will get company money from the government on a yearly basis. Is that money given from the government specifically for that company to give away as charity to something else? No, or are they not choosing char- to take that money and, and move it somewhere else? So what usually happens, I think, so there's a certain number amount of money that the UK puts aside for arts council funding or the art puts towards the arts and then that gets split up and I think I mean you can find it online I know my mom's found it out um and you can see like how much money each dance and ballet company receives from the government that's usually given towards you know like some companies might be given more one year if they've shown that they're working with the community more or they're working at bringing um, dancers from a disadvantaged background into the company oh. environment or giving them tra- extra. So there's things that I, I mean, I mean, I'm saying I could make, I'm making this all up. Like I'm not a hundred percent. So I haven't got facts on paper. It can be found online, but there is, it is kind of based around that. And then you'll have external sponsors you know, you could have a jewellery company like Cartier might sponsor something or you have a, and then you have things like that. But there are then also donors. There'll be a few dancers that might get special funding from a donor as well. And I know that happens in the States. So there's that as well. It's all very confusing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so we have something kind of similar, I think. Okay. So we... Our companies can sort of apply f- to get money from the government. You, okay. I think, again, I'm now I'm making this <laughs> up, but I think you have to have like, there's specific qualifications that you have to have. Mm-hmm. There's like specific things in the application that you have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can apply for grants from the federal government that mm-hmm. uh, they, they give you money yeah. to do these things. So like I know in a case like LA Ballet, we can apply for grants in that case. Um, but there are also a lot of private donors like businesses also could sponsor us. And I think it's less that they are sponsoring the entire show. It's more just that they contribute to our like pot of money in exchange for like advertisement in the program Mm -hmm. or like a special mention at the beginning of the show that okay like, sort of to help their brand also. Yes. So like it's if like Bank of America thing. or like we'll say, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a two-way street in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think like I probably shouldn't even really be talking about it because I'm sure <laughs> I'm getting things wrong also. But in a similar, I think we can it's similar. It's very similar. Yeah, there'll be some similarities in how it works. Um that's so interesting. Mm. That's so, I mean, I'm curious, like, what this ship company wants to do with a Forsyth triple bill, you know? Yeah, that's well, so that's, interesting. yeah, oh, I'll need to find it because it was, it's called Cunard Lines, but it's not like they're, I mean, when I see the performance, I'll find out, but I, I think I saw a photo of the program or maybe EMB posted it, like, thanks to our sponsor of this performance, Cunard um, Lines. I'm going to try and see if I can find it. 
Um, yeah, production sponsor Cunard Line, and they've just got that. But it's not. I don't think it's like they're speaking. Oh, and we thank our sponsor for of Cunard Line for sponsoring the foot. Like I don't think it's as as a two way street. In the same way, they'll have their they'll have it as a thank you. They'll have okay. state that it's the production sponsor because I also noticed that in the um in the program for the BRB thing, you could see who their sponsor is, but it's not big and loud and bold and super obvious. Like unless you were looking, oh, who's the sponsor of this production? You probably wouldn't notice, or you just might be like, I have no idea what that means. Um, which is interesting. Right. I just find it so right. it, it's very it, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's all of those like interpolitic type things. Yes. On who's Absolutely. who's doing what? Why are Absolutely. you doing that? That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm gonna start. I'm not. I'm gonna go away and start researching more about it because I find it so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm just curious what they what they get out of that. Maybe yeah. maybe they just really like maybe they just really like dance. Maybe you know? I mean that's the maybe thing, they like, just really did want to help. Maybe I mean that's what I mean. Like because when I think one show I've seen recently was like sponsored by HSBC, which is a bank in the UK, and I'm thinking, what's HSBC making out of this? Are they making money? Are we like, is it is it for are they advertising? Because yeah. I'm not seeing HSBC in the production anyway I'm not seeing it on the front like I'm not seeing because I've seen right. it I'm not seeing it at the beginning of right. like print on the curtains like lighted on the curtains I'm not seeing HSBC anywhere like <laughs> what are they gaining it's in the village scene it's, it's a bank there's a the bank back. in the village scene you know <laughs> maybe that's what we're gonna start seeing like for in the Forsyth there'll be like a little boat going across <laughs> the back could I yeah. <laughs> maybe. maybe hey maybe you know maybe that's what they get out of it oh that's my gosh so funny yeah let me know can we post it on that I'll, I'll, yeah maybe that's what that is maybe that's oh, so funny it's interesting <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start doing like I know Royal I'm pretty sure they get sponsored by like a jewelry there's some jeweler is it I have no idea I need to I'm just saying gobbledygook now um yeah interesting um I kind of want to go on to talking about what it's been like like what your experience of being in the core for six years has been like is it like I don't know like I haven't spoken to anyone who's kind of talked about that and I've always I guess on a personal level always been quite fascinated um with how I don't know I think there's a image that's kind of portrayed in ballet that you will kind of move up the ranks at a I don't know what sort of basis but I feel like there is a (laughs) kind of this image that's put onto students and young ballet dancers like okay I'm in the core and then I become a art senior an artist and then I become a this and then I become a and then I'm a principal and blah 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 and I don't know what's yeah yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking to that, I will say that my experience has not been well. Okay, after after okay, if I could go back and talk to my younger self about it, mm-hmm. I would definitely tell her that 
everyone's experience is different. Yeah. Like, I think students are often actually like, I see it from both angles, from the teacher perspective. Like Mm -hmm. you want to be able to give your student like the largest sort of goal to work towards. Yeah. Um, But that's not necessarily the most realistic sense of what's going to happen. Does that make sense? Like I, it's not like, it's not that my experience has been largely different, Mm -hmm. but every company is different and every individual dancer's experience Mm -hmm. in a, in a place is different. Um, Everybody's relationship with artistic staff is different. Yes. Everybody's, you know, I mean, because just, and just because your personality is different, you know, you're not a cookie cutter of the person next to you and nor should you be. That's what makes you unique as a dancer. But I think that on the one hand, it's a positive thing to give a student such a large goal to reach, because Mm -hmm. I think it makes you work really hard and it makes, and there's like the hopes and dreams aspect. Right. But then on the flip side, like, I think it's important. I wish that someone had been a little bit more realistic with me Okay. Mm-hmm. about it. I know mm-hmm. that sounds like a little bit negative. No, um, no, I think like, sense. I think my like general experience as a core member has been mm-hmm. the same. Like, I don't think that that's really any different, you know? Okay. And I think like all of my training has served me very well and how mm-hmm. to be a court ballot member. All of that is very, very on par. Mm-hmm. I think as far as like, like my expectation is a lot of, actually it's the exact same as a lot of the new people who are coming in. Um, you come from a and b professional division program or like an SAB, or you come from mm-hmm. a larger program, you get hired, or maybe you didn't, but you, mm-hmm. you come in mm-hmm. and you think, a, I'm going to rise up really quickly and B, I'm going to make a jump to a larger company almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's just because like, that's what teachers tell you, you should be trying to do, right? Yeah. Like you get into a, a mid-tier company and it's like, well, you should want to move forward. Mm-hmm. Like you should want to get into like, I don't know, like Misty Copeland level, right? Like, like people are writing books about you and people are, that's a, you know, right. Right. It's like people really, I think you should not, I don't think anyone should think anything. I Mm -hmm. think everyone's opinions are valid. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone's experiences are valid, but I will say that mine were, my expectations were checked very quickly. Okay. Um, especially like actually right before the pandemic. I mean, and mm-hmm. I've had, again, like we were talking at the very beginning, I, I'm a sucker for a story ballet and I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for a village scene, right? Like yeah. I mm-hmm. put me in the back of the swan court and I am still living my best life. I yeah. really don't care. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? I get, I so completely relate. For yeah. Me, yeah. Like for me, I don't necessarily need, like, I'm just as satisfied, especially now. Like mm-hmm. I think in the beginning I pushed really hard to get sort of like the, the soloist principal opportunities, but I think, I mean, we could also go into a whole conversation about like mm-hmm. the shiny new toy syndrome. I'm sure it happens in the UK yeah. too, where it's like new company members come in mm-hmm. and, and they're more willing to put up with yeah. uh, a lack of resources or mm-hmm. a lack of. I think a lot of young dancers. We'll yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, you're, you're happy to have the job and that's, 
Oh, yeah. that's a great thing. But I think as you get older, you learn like, first of all, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Third of all, um, I deserve like a certain level of communication yeah. and respect. Yeah. And I think as you get older, that gets harder. You learn like what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, yeah, we can do a whole conversation about, you know, just <laughs> the younger dancers coming in. And then it's like, well, you can, as an older person, like you try to ask for things, but they point at the younger people who are like, I'm willing and eager to do it without the toilet paper, you know? And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's not, <laughs> that's not, shouldn't be how it works. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, we could all just ask for toilet paper and I think this would all go a little bit smoother (laughs) or a little bit more in our favor, but I, you know, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I don't know. So, I mean, as I think my experience overall has been very positive. I've had a really great time. Mm -hmm. I will say that my view after the pandemic has done a full 180 degree flop. Like I, I don't necessarily love, it's like really hard to say only because like, it's so not the norm, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like I really don't like performing anymore. I have a much better time in the studio. Mm -hmm. I know, like I have a much better time in the studio with my coworkers wearing the, my best Yumiko leotard. Yeah with my hair, the way I want it wearing, you know, that wrap that I love for my yes. mom and mm-hmm. like calling it and like, and, and workshopping things and like mm-hmm. feeling challenged myself. And it's the least amount of pressure. And we're all having a great time together. Mm-hmm. We're like laughing and giggling and there's, you know, the pianist is playing and yeah. like, I, I have such a better time in that environment now mm-hmm. than I do, you know, with the amount of pressure that is on performing now. Mm-hmm. Like I still love to do it and it's mm-hmm. not, it's something that's still very special to me, but it's not the, it doesn't hold the same, like mm-hmm. giddy, like energizing sense. It's okay. more of a like, Oh no, I have to go out there and do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, interesting because I mean, I, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure do you follow ma- ballet moods? Yes. Meme page. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Cause they post obviously <laughs> I feel like everyone does. They post on the other day and it was, I've just got it up now. It was me. Why are you struggling to get back in shape and find it difficult to mentally prepare for performances? And then it's like also me and it's... We've had two years off. Yeah, so (laughs) we were in a pandemic and I've seen like loads of people sharing this, like professional dancers. And I'm like, I'm like, like it's so, it's in like I can, I completely get it. And I think a lot of people like are in that position of performing it's I don't know if it's going to take longer to for it to get back to the way it felt like it was prior to the pandemic but I think now when it comes to performances there's so much added stress that wasn't there especially with the fact that you know COVID still exists people yeah am I gonna have to jump in for this person we're testing on a daily basis or like is this performance gonna get shut down tonight I have no idea and I think Oh my that God. Yeah. Pressure on your shoulders. Like every, every dance is living with that. And like having that internally in your head, like if you're going in and out of performing, like that takes, that's not fun because you can't no, actually enjoy, yeah. you can't actually enjoy the performance aspect um, because you're living in a constant state of stress, literally. Like, am I going to have to do this tonight? Am I going to have to do that? am I 
and then just like getting back into it after COVID, like it, it's a weird experience because it's like, okay, I've got to be vulnerable on stage again. Maybe you're not in a position where you're super comfortable with yourself. You might be like, I feel like I don't look great on stage or like, I don't feel like I'm in shape. I feel like I'm not where I was prior to the pandemic. I'm not getting the roles I was getting prior to the pandemic. Like there's so many things within that. Um, Oh my God. I think that's super relatable. The psychological (laughs) side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's the two sides, right? It's like the, you have two levels of stress happening in your body. Well, actually three, right? You have like Mm. general, we'll say in the middle, the performance, general, general performance anxiety that you've always had. Yeah. Right. It's like the fact that you have to go out and do a show. And it's like, usually those are like the good stresses. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, you have a little bit of butterflies Yeah. and you're really, it's more of like an excited energy. Mm -hmm. Then you have the psychological stress of being a dancer that took maybe two years off with no resources, having to come back into it and are expected to be held to the same level that you were held when you had momentum before the pandemic. Then on the flip side, you have like the admin stress that of course isn't handled very well in like mid to low tier companies Mm -hmm. of, we don't know if these performances are going to get canceled. We don't know if anyone has COVID in the staff right now. We have no idea if we are absolutely dependent on these tickets sales for the remainder of the season Mm -hmm. and to have it have been ripped away from you so suddenly Mm -hmm. before like it was I think it was such a shock to everyone I mean we went into what it was like a two-week vacation turned into two years you know especially in in the states it is so I guess just traumatizing Mm -hmm. like I don't I am I think I find the most joy now for sure, just being in the studio with my fellow coworkers and like workshopping together in the least amount of stress possible Mm -hmm. and just being in the role of a dancer in the studio. Yeah. That's what I love now. But yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting, I guess, on how long it takes people to feel normal again, or I guess those coming into the industry as professionals, maybe starting this year, Mm -hmm. if everything continues smoothly, they won't ever really know that trauma or stress. Yeah. Like if we Mm -hmm. don't shut down anymore or I'm not going to, I'm going to knock on on wood right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like I, I'm curious if like the younger generations won't really understand Mm -hmm. that psychological trauma that Mm -hmm. the people who are in now yeah I don't know yeah no that is definitely interesting it'll be interesting to see how that goes um and I guess going on to I want to talk about this before this episode becomes like (laughs) so long um I mean it's fine I'm really enjoying the conversation but I think we I'd love to talk more about um what kind of we were talking what you know you've created which is your the scholarship fund for dancers who are wanting to pursue um, a higher education career whether that be I'm assuming alongside dance or after dance um, so could you just tell the listeners a bit about yeah, that definitely um, and then we'll talk about it more yeah so Totally. Yeah. So this project really came in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been doing part-time college while I've been in the core. Okay. Um, I think I took a total of like a year and a half away from school after graduation. And that's like that okay. second year in Seattle, I wasn't doing any school to focus on being a professional. Mm-hmm. And like the first half of my first season, I think I started spring semester at a local community college. Mm-hmm. 
Um, during the pandemic, obviously a lot of free time fell into my lap. So I sort of doubled down on college courses. I, an opportunity kind of fell into my lap. I think just based on the fact that I had a gap between my high school graduation and when I had started at this community college, Mm -hmm. they invited me to a zoom information session for a really prestigiously ranked university Mm -hmm. in the States. Um, I saw the name and I was like, well, this is, I'll just go to see what they have to say. I mean, I don't really see mm-hmm. that this is very realistic. To make a really long story short, um, I ended up applying really just for fun. It, it was a non-traditional student program. It really is more, this is one program within this college that focuses more on people who maybe didn't go the more traditional route. And that could be for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be because you're a dancer. It doesn't have to be because you were in the military. It's just maybe you had a sick relative and you took time off and now you're going back to school. Or maybe you decided to have a family first and now you're going to school. It's just non-traditional pathways all coming together underneath this school campus. Yeah. Applied really more to keep um, sort of like letters of recommendation from professors open and to mm-hmm. sort of keep my options open more for practice of like, I, I assumed that with any interview process or having to put my best foot forward mm-hmm. for this particular school would only set me up for success when I have to do it for other schools. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting in, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. I, got obviously really excited. So this particular school is in New York. My older sister lives in New York. And of course my older sister, uh, was more excited than I was. She was like, I'm already looking at two bedrooms. (laughs) Your dance career is done. You're coming on over here and it's going to be great. I'm like, that's all well and great. Um, I'm glad that you're happy, but I'm going to, there are some other things I need to talk about. Mm I ended up having a financial aid meeting with them. Um, financial aid is usually in the States. It's like, so in the States, universities are like privately funded by the student. Yes. So we come up with the cash to pay for the education. Um, there are forms of aid that come through the government. Mm-hmm. It depends on your income level. Yeah. And it depends on like what the school is willing to offer you. Um, yeah. But there's like this is me also making things up. I'm not super, super educated in like the financial aid aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually won't speak a lot about it because I don't want to get anything wrong and I don't want people to take my word for it. So mm-hmm. just disclaimer, definitely triple check yep. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. Um, to make a long story short, this school asked for about a quarter of a million dollars in private student loans from like, I would pull that money out from a bank and I would give that to the school. Um, as a <laughs> yes what i know <laughs> what? My, what? yes and that's so you'll be paying that my long-term career goals too <laughs> essentially yeah essentially, so well, i what happens but like essentially <laughs> right exactly so i um yeah had a little mini panic attack um and this is also Like for my long-term career goals, I want to go into sports medicine. I need Mm -hmm. school even after I would be done with this school. So Mm -hmm. I would be pulling out even more loans after that to pay for whatever I needed to do. So like realistically, if I went to the school that I was facing at that point Mm -hmm. and I went to the school that I like, let's say I got into like my top dream program for what I want to do afterwards, I would be looking at like half a million dollars. 
like 500 grand of personal student loan debt. Just an absurd, absurd amount. Like and living have, costs. That wouldn't be like living costs or anything. That would be, so the what quarter of a million dollars would include living costs. Oh, okay. But still. But still, yeah, that's um, a very large amount it's of money. So, For someone yeah. who's technically like, I'm considered, I mean, of course, as a starving artist, I am considered <laughs> low income mm-hmm. in a very large city. So, yeah. and they have, what killed me too, is they had all that information. Like they know how much money I make a year. I had to provide that information to them. Oh. I got on a Zoom call with someone from the financial aid office and mm-hmm. I, she gave me that number and I said, that's all of the help that I'm going to get. And she said, yeah, I mean, we're giving you the max amount that we would give any student in your case. Um, and it's even like, if I didn't get any help from that school, I was looking at, I think it would have been, so I needed three years at that school. I would have needed, it's <laughs> so ridiculous, $110,000 a year, full, like full cost. If you don't get any help from anyone and you wanted to pay for everything completely out of pocket, it's $110,000 a year. So, and I needed three years. So I would have been looking at roughly 300 grand just for fun. So they took it down out of uh, uh, kindness of my financial need. They, yeah, they took it down to 210,000. Oh, how lovely. Yes. Yeah, so, and I looked how and I asked her, I was like, uni? that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> like, how do you expect any student to pay for this? Like, what would you suggest? Like, like what do you suggest what that do I do? What do people do? I have and, no, how are people paying for uni? Is every, do, like, are you people, just pull the loans out. What? And you're or you don't go to those schools. Or you just don't go. Are there other options? There are. I mean, so this is like, probably within the top 10 schools yeah. in the US. Okay. Um, you could go to the, like a lower, so like my, my plan was always originally like a California state public okay. school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all really good schools. There's not, I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. The advantage that I think you get from going to a higher ranked university is more in the opportunities that the name, yes, you know what, very similar to dance education. Yeah right? Like if you come from Royal Ballet School or a small school, like a director more than likely is going to take you out of Royal Ballet School and give you the job versus, which like we can go all the way back to the conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it is complete. I mean, I completely get that. It's like so in the UK we have, I mean, like Russell, you have your Russell group, Ivy League. We have our Russell groups. Totally. It may, I get it. Yeah. So very similar. Like I think, um, the only, yeah, the, really the only benefit is the amount of doors that that school would open for you, mm-hmm. whether or not you feel that that's justified to pay that amount of money. Or maybe if you didn't think you needed school afterwards, mm-hmm. like if that was the only degree that you needed, maybe that's worth right. it for you. Mm. I can't say whether or not it is because everyone's story is different and yeah. everyone's opinions are different. But so, yeah, so essentially the woman on the financial aid Zoom meeting told me to just go to the bank and pull the loans out. And I said, I think this meeting is over because I am not doing that. And that's absurd. Um, Called, of course, my sister was really excited, called my sister and my sister was like, well, um, if you really want this opportunity, you'll figure out how to make it happen. You need to go and you need to look for 
outside scholarships. Mm -hmm. Um, those are usually like outside funding opportunities. You can get like, it's usually someone raising money. Um, a lot of times, like someone will set up a scholarship through the school Mm -hmm. or like through a program, but they give you a, it's like privately funded money. That's just like a gift. Essentially. They believe in your story. They believe in your mission. They believe in what you're going to, they believe you'll be successful and they want to help you. Yes. Okay. Um, there is only in the United States one dance scholarship for dancers who are trying to make a transition into anything but their dance career. And that's including um, like, well, so they have technically this organization has three different scholarships. There's one for um, like a, I forget what it's called, but it's essentially like something that will assist you in your dance career. So like a lot of dancers here get like a Pilates certification or a gyrotonic certification or a yoga certification. It's like something, something that's, that helps your career, but it also will help make you money on the side. Mm -hmm. They have an undergraduate scholarship and they have a graduate scholarship, which is amazing. And they have enough that they help a lot. It's just, they, they help a lot of dancers, but the amount is small, but they okay. keep the amount small so that they can help majority instead yeah. of like small group. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, they, there's only the one and I went back and I think my sister in her, like my sister is similar, but different than me. She, mm-hmm. in her very sarcastic way was like, well, why don't you start your own then? Like, I don't really know what to tell you kid. Like <laughs> you're going to have to yourself. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm kind of tired of listening to you complain about this. So go figure it That's out. Like I'm, I'm thing. disappointed that you're not moving here. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, and I have a little bit of that too. Like, I think I, I say that stuff to her all the time too. Um, she, so, I mean, it was kind of like, I think she said it more in passing, Yeah. but I do remember that really resonating with me. You're like, yeah, and I have like, I remember yeah, I, I was so mad mm-hmm. and I am still really mad. Like I'm mad yes. that this prestigious career that we all sacrificed for, and we all, mm-hmm. you know, shove people yes. aside for and yes. our way through, yeah. like we're treated afterwards with such like disregard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I can't justify it's oh God. And then this made me think too, like, as you potentially leave your career, like, let's say you're retiring from a company. I've talked to other friends in other companies too, mm-hmm. that it's very like, how dare you? Or like, you're less than because you feel like you want to do something else now. Mm. Like how, how dare you feel like you have any other interest besides living, breathing and dying mm-hmm. doing ballet. Mm. And it's like, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think I it is think, really, yeah, uh, it's weird. I don't know why that exists, that thought. I don't know why that reaction to dancers leave. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like you're a dancer all the time. It's like, oh, why would they? Re- I don't know. You'll just like read some comment somewhere on the internet or like a, in, some, will co- some old man will comment on an Instagram post. Oh, why would she retire? She was beautiful. It's not about that it's not about that she might have wanted to go have kids she may have wanted to go start her own business like she may have wanted to be a girl boss and work for herself like let you know what yeah let her do that she just wanted to go be a bartender yeah who cares it's none of your business i know like baffles me baffles no it's so ridiculous people will have opinions about people leaving dance and it's like oh so oh you weren't tough enough okay what 
since when how since dare when? you like, yeah you're so you're you're not worth it yeah it's so ridiculous like or even I feel like too there's such a double standard in the way that or at least like for this particular program it really felt like we are praised for the amount or like I guess the skill set that we have as a dance like you have to be smart Mm-hmm. at least a little bit to be a dancer, right? Like you have to be aware of your own body, aware of other people's bodies, intelligent enough to remember things. Remember not only how to do the step correctly, what step it is, when it goes, where it is, where it is in the music. Yep. There's so many things that you're thinking about. Uh-huh. You're th- you're using your critical thinking skills all the time. And I we're praised for this, these critical thinking skills, the dedication that we have, our time management skills, like all the skills that we culminate through this career, mm-hmm. we are praised for on the outside, but it's also like, how dare you take that opportunity? Like it's it's very backwards to me that people like the skills that we have, but are not willing to support us in those next mm-hmm. transitioning steps. Yes. Those transitioning steps feel so like lonely and gross. And I don't think that that's necessary. I think that it sh- the, sh- the conversation should absolutely shift from not we're so sorry to see you go, mm. but we're so excited to see what you're willing and able to do next. Yes. Like yes. what you're going to create and the future that you're building for yourself. Yeah. We are so thrilled for you mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And I think it's, it's another line too, where like we, don't really hear from those dancers anymore. It's like, you're given the flowers and everyone applauds and it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And the curtain comes down and you go home and that's it. Mm. No one cares. You know, like no one really thinks about you anymore. And not that people should be, but it's like, there's no like follow-up to what those dancers are doing or how they're doing mm. or what they decided to do. That's just as important. If you loved them as a dancer, you should love them as a person. Mm. And you should love to see what they're doing now. Mm. I don't know. It's very, it's very strange. Or I guess you could argue the same as, um, you could argue the same, I guess, with like actors and actresses. I just think that they are also set up for a little bit better of success, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be interesting to talk to an actor or actress that maybe isn't like Hollywood sized, Mm -hmm. like they're still doing um, more like local plays or like, I don't know what the middle, I mean, I'm not educated enough in, in the world to understand what like, the middle ground is, but I would be curious. I would be curious mm-hmm. if they feel like people really loved to come and see me perform and people really loved the skill set that I brought. And now I'm deciding to step away from it and no one cares mm-hmm. a single bit. Yeah. Or it's just like, interesting. Okay, yeah, it's good. Same with, I think with other athletes, like, I don't know, like, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like unless you're able to, I don't know, say if you were even a dancer in a big company and you were, I think it's difficult, especially now where social media is so important. If you're, I think it's very easily to get forgotten about if you don't hold a social media mm-hmm. presence outside of ballet. I mean, I'm talking really modern day here. Like <laughs> I'm talking, like, I, I don't know, but I think it's, yeah. I think it's easier to hold relevance in some way or another, even if you have left, I say left dance, but even if you've retired or decided to move on to another career, if you're able to maintain some sort of social presence with maybe the people that came to see you or maybe the younger generation that you inspired during your time you were dancing, 
if you're I think if you're creative in being able to keep the audience whether they saw you physically or just like watching you dance online if you're able to keep them engaged with whatever you're pursuing next I think it's definitely something that you can you can stay I say in some sort of light I don't know like I can just imagine like someone had a big following as a dancer and then even if they retired dance but moved on to something else and they continue to share what they were doing in a way that meant their past audience members could take interest in it then they could keep yeah I say those audience members um but in a different I don't know if that makes sense (laughs) I don't know yeah no it definitely does I'm wondering too if maybe that's the first step to changing how we look at that Mm -hmm. right like if dancers started and maybe maybe we just haven't come to the point where the dancers who are large on social media have stepped away, right? Because it's like our yes, age. That's, that's right. Yeah. Sort of like that first guinea pig mm-hmm. generation with Instagram. Yes. So maybe we just haven't come to the point where people have stepped away and mm-hmm. had a large Instagram following. But I wonder if that's the first step of changing that. Mm-hmm. Because institutionally in dance, it just it feels very like you're looked to as less than, especially, mm-hmm. I guess, like internally as a dancer from leadership, I have found mm-hmm. that we are looked at as less than yes. if we are oh, pursuing anything that could possibly distract us mm-hmm. from what's happening in your career. Mm-hmm. Like if you are not living, breathing, sleeping ballet 24 seven, even if your performance in the studio and on stage is unchanged, you are still, in my experience, looked at as less than because mm-hmm. you are interested in other things. Yeah. And I think systemically, like, that's just not a realistic for any well-rounded human being. Uh, Yeah. And I think that it's unrealistic with this being such, I don't know, I guess like a poor way to say it, but like a young person's career, Mm -hmm. like often our age range for what this career, I guess, oh my gosh, words, I guess (laughs) the age range for people who are successful in this career are are younger. Yeah, Um, typically, yeah it's just, it's unrealistic. You know, Mm. even if I danced until I'm 35, I still need something to do afterwards. Mm. I still have the the whole rest of my life. Mm. What am I going to do? Yeah, it is. It's just so baffling to me. It does make me, I mean, like recently, um, I saw Sarah Lamb dance, uh, Juliet and I didn't realize she was 41. I was like, whoa, yeah. what? Like, my back hurts at 25. There's no my back hurts. <laughs> make it that long. Like it's, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure she gets in pain all the time, but like, I like, I don't know, like how old Marinella is. Uh, and I know I recently spoke to Stephen yeah. McRae and I think he's in his forties as well. I mean, no, he definitely is in his forties mm-hmm. and he's got t- three, two, three children. And I mean, I know these people are doing things alongside and I think in the UK we're able to get, if you haven't done a degree beforehand, like our degree, the way our university works is a lot different than in the States. So you can, and I think you, I, it, it varies. I actually can't speak because I have no idea, um, but I know it's a lot cheaper. Um, and I know a lot of dancers yeah. are pursuing degrees or masters alongside dancing professionally, especially the older they get and maybe whether it be looking into business or marketing or things like that, that they can move, possibly move into. Um, but it will be interesting to see how 
for example, like a dancer who is really big on um on social media, for example, like Stephen, um, and to right. when, you know, I say when he retires, whenever that may be, um, mm-hmm. to see if that if his social media, like his audience and the engagement that he has with whether it be his followers or his audience members remains in some sense as he moves into a slightly different field um or even like for example I know Federico Benelli has recently retired from dancing at the Royal Ballet and is now artistic director of Northern Ballet whether his or I mean oh I don't know how much he posts on social media so I actually don't know I can't remember like I've <laughs> like I don't it depends I don't know if his generation like the people that do you know it's interesting it's interesting yes. seeing these people yeah, yeah, move yeah. over into slightly different spaces and whether they will be able to maintain their relevance to a degree in the same way that they may have as they danced um totally especially yeah, for females it'll be a really interesting social as well. experiment mm. yeah I think oh my god yeah because we definitely be yeah, well, because we have the whole like I idolized, you know, prima ballerina sense. Mm. Like I think a lot of people, it's not necessarily about the individual, it's about the fact that you are a pretty female up on stage doing things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're yeah, not mm-hmm. fulfilling that need, then why would we really watch you anymore? Yeah, I think definitely Which, I mean then then that like that stems into a whole other systemic situation oh, of like I mean, again we're not looked at as dancers or yeah. as people were looked at as dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That'll be a really interesting social experiment on mm. whether or not people are still interested in watching dancers because because just because there's access into your life still mm. yeah. through social media, if people will still find that material engaging, or if it's mm. you're really just there for the dancer version of that person and not the person mm-hmm. themselves yeah interesting yeah it will be interesting so I'm gonna yeah think I'm gonna keep I guess keep an eye like especially yeah because it's it's going to be our generation that will really see that for the first we'll we'll see be able to watch that happen um but yeah oh my god (laughs) that just I'm literally like oh my god it's so interesting um (laughs) but it is I mean it's so important with what you're doing is creating or helping the, that opportunity become real life for people yeah I mean the more dance. that I yeah 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 yeah. the more that I like sort of sat in the situation that I was in the more mm-hmm. upset that I got in thinking about I mean it made me go back and think about all of those sort of retirement suite like I guess they're ceremonies that I've yeah. witnessed or that friends oh, yeah. have witnessed and it's just mm-hmm. like that is so distant, like it's so obvious that it's so disingenuine or it's just like, I have no idea where those dancers have gone or what they've done or Mm -hmm. how they're doing. And we really don't care. And it's, and when I think of my own, whenever that time emerges, I guess, I am like really nervous, I guess, for how cold that's going to be. Like, not only are we, we're ignoring the fact that these dancers are going through a whole psychological change. Like you're going essentially through an identity crisis. You're Mm. no longer really a dancer from what you have 
identified as and related to your entire life, most of us start when we're really little, you've only really known yourself as a dancer and people praise you as being a dancer. And that's all you're really known for. You're not looked at as a person. And I think that that's really sad and terrible, honestly, like we all have so, and actually since starting this project, I, so I do like, I'm sorry, I'm going no, 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 I love it. It's okay. <laughs> I, so I do like a monthly newsletter, just interviewing dancers and their experience of doing school and ballet at the same time, or being a professional dancer. And I started with my coworkers only because they're the most centralized, right? Like they're the easiest to access. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized too, that I never looked at my coworkers as people and we're all really cool. Mm. We all have these really cool things that we want to do. Like one of, one of the girls who's a really good friend of mine was like, yeah, I mean, I finished my degree while I was dancing. I just graduated in X year and I'm thinking about going to law school. And I was like, Leah, I've literally never heard you talk about that ever. Mm. That is the most incredible. You're going to be an incredible lawyer. I can't mm-hmm. wait to watch you do that. You're going to be amazing. It. Mm-hmm. And it, she was like, yeah, I just like never really felt like I needed to talk about it. And it's like, no, we all absolutely should be talking about it. Mm. Why are we not talking about the worth that we bring outside of the studio? Mm. It's, it was so bizarre, but I, I have a whole new level of love and respect for my coworkers in that mm. way now that it's just like, I know that you are all incredible humans in every way, shape and form. And I'm Mm. so happy that I get to do this all with you. You know, I mean, it's just like, and the fact that no one else really knows about that, like the donors aren't donating because we're great people. They're donating because we're dancers and we have this very niche set of talent, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's my soapbox. I'll get off my soapbox. The project is called uh, the the Encore Fund. Mm -hmm. We are a scholarship program based in the United States for dancers, professional Mm -hmm. dancers who are specifically trying to transfer from their professional careers as artists into opportunities of higher education. Um, And I, we're really just trying to build a community that wants you to know that if you are a professional dancer trying to transition into literally anything else, you are not by yourself. Mm-hmm. We, the, the members and the supporters of the Encore Fund support you as a person and not just as a dancer. Of course, we celebrate your dance career and we're so happy that you have accomplished all that you have in it and you found a passion, but we're also equally, if not more happy that you have found a passion for afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we're so excited for your ne- next steps mm-hmm. in that. And I think that's the most important mm-hmm. because I, I don't think that that's appreciated enough no. from leadership or really, I mean, not, not other dancers. Cause I think other dancers are always really supportive, but, mm-hmm. um, more just, I guess, society in the way that mm-hmm. they look at us as dancers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> no, I completely <laughs> agree. Tangent, I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. It's fine. I think something that we're seeing more of is definitely an openness to talk about pursuing things either outside of ballet whether that be alongside it or even after we are seeing a definitely more openness in okay what could happen next or what I'm doing to support my future alongside dancing professionally or what I'm interested in pursuing alongside uh, you know because you know we aren't going to be dancing until we're 60 um or right. whatever the retirement age, 65 in some cases, you know, it could be, it's, you know, so you have at least, you have a fat chunk of time 
after your career to pursue so much like you could do anything (laughs) yeah and even if you wanted to stay in the dance space even if you wanted to go on to be an executive director an artistic director maybe you want to go get a business degree to understand the inner workings of a nonprofit, or maybe you want you want to take a leadership course because you want to make sure that you are an effective and appropriate leader for the space that you're in mm-hmm. or i don't know like maybe you want maybe you decide that you don't want anything to do with the dance world anymore and you want to become a surgeon or like a lawyer or one one girl that one of my friends i had no idea she was like i really want to go into like us government embassy work oh, and i was nice. like i That is incredible. I've never heard anyone talk about that. Literally, I've never heard of anyone wanting to do that, but I'm so excited for you. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's just an appreciation for the fact that like, we all have this close connection while we're dancers. And then we all, once we retire, we kind of like sprinkle out, but you should be able to find community looking back on that community. And as that community helps you transfer forward. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we can all hold hands a little bit more kindly during those times, Absolutely, you know, and appreciate what that person's actually going through. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, even for me, it hasn't like I'm so set on dancing and I will continue to pursue that until like I literally (laughs) will like try and pursue it until I don't know. Um, There's I'm. Anyway, um, but I feel like recently I've, I have been thinking about, you know, like I am so excited for what the future holds and I'm fully aware that my career, if I am lucky enough to pursue it as a career for, you know, over 10 years or whatever, um, I would really love to go into looking at like an artistic director position because, and I just, I find that so, I had never really thought about, like before I was like, oh, I'll think about what I'm going to do after dance, like once I get to it, or it's like, oh, I don't need to worry about that now. Or like, I mean, even though it's not a point for me, it's not like, oh, I have to be prepared, but it's more like I will have at least 30 years, if I like minimum 30 years after I dance to do whatever I want. And it excites me that I can, pursue I say almost any like okay this is it can sound really like I'm a I feel like this is sounding like super privileged being like oh yeah I can do anything but I get I'm coming for more like a trying to believe in my what I'm capable of doing like believing in my capabilities as a human of what I'm capable of pursuing I'm completely where it's not going to be easy um yeah (laughs) Um, but I find it exciting to think about all the possibilities of the careers that I could dip my toes in or fully dive into if I wanted to. Um, and I think it's appreciating that as a dancer, that you are so much more than what, than the fact that you dance and you're capable of literally anything. Um, like if something else interests you, you're not a bad human or you're not a less dedicated dancer because you actually find that interesting. Like you, you know, currently yeah, no. if you're dancing, you're, you're putting that first and you love doing that. And that's great. And you enjoy that for as long as it makes you happy. Um, but at the same time, you complete, it's completely valid to have other aspirations. And I think that's, we are seeing more of that. 
I feel like people have been a little bit more open with that. Like I'm, you know, even talking to my friends, like, oh, you know, what would you do? What you, you know, do you have any interests after dance or like, what would you be interested in? And I've been, I have talked to people and it's, I love hearing because I'm like, oh, like this gets me excited for like the future, whether they continue to be in dance. Like I have a friend who was in, who's interested in like the community outreach reach of come like working in a ballet company. And I'm like, Girl, let's let's yeah. let's let's work in a ballet coming together. Let's let's build this stuff up from the bottom. Like yes, and I just I love it. Like Absolutely. I'm all here for it. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, just, even going back to like, I think, yeah, like I think that dancers are almost even better set up for those roles based on the skill set that we build through just learning to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Like you, you develop these skills and you're almost better off than other people mm-hmm. because you have these time management skills and the dedication and the passion and the drive, and you know what it's going to take. You're going to mm-hmm. do it. You've already done it. Mm-hmm. You've already done something similar. It just happened to be dancing mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you any like worse of a human. It makes you a better human for wanting other things and to challenge yourself intellectually mm-hmm. and to want to go do other things. That yeah. just makes you a person. That doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. It just makes you a normal person. Mm-hmm. No matter what any artistic director says, no matter what any ballet mistress, ballet master says, you have every right and every reason to go out there and pursue whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just not encouraged enough. And it's so mm-hmm. disheartening to me that we're not looked at as a full picture human. Mm-hmm. It's very robotic in that sense. Like I'm being used and abused as a, that's, I'm not being abused. Like being, being, I I guess having a career as, yeah, Mm -hmm. like having a career as a dancer and, you know, doing my job as a dancer and then, you know, someone younger comes up and, you know, sort of takes the spots, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but to feel like you're being pushed out to a certain degree and all, or I guess just feel like a competitive edge to stay mm-hmm. valuable to the company as you yes. get older. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's almost doubly disheartening that like, we're not helped to transition outwards yeah, into absolutely. other things that we want. Yeah. And, and we're yelled at for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God. So Who would ever think? Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think the thing that's, when you think about like when you break it down it's actually so weird to think that anyone would kind of like why would why would anyone be against it because at the end of the day like we are the ones that are going to be the future like the people that are currently in charge will eventually retire and they won't have the power that they currently have and then someone new younger hopefully a little bit more understand well don't know (laughs) but you get what I mean like eventually these people won't have power (laughs) yes (laughs) so (laughs) this makes no sense like it's like why would you say anything when you're literally going to retire in like five years (laughs) yeah I guess it's like maybe it's the environment that they're in dancing like they weren't supported in any transition so they don't believe that it's important they're like I turned out okay Mm. or I guess it's like you should want a career that stays within the dance world and you don't need anything else for that but like not everyone like I personally would not find joy in being Mm. an artistic director I don't I don't think I would be good at it if I don't love Mm. it and I just don't want it like I don't want to try for a job that I don't find yeah Yeah. so I don't 
I don't know. There are an incredible amount of reasons that <laughs> this is not happening. Yeah. Um, but it feels good, like having started the project and having um, sort of moved forward through that whole we'll call it a debacle, I guess. Yeah. Um, it gave me a new appreciation for the people around me and a new appreciation for the people that are in dance and not necessarily around me, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, just the main take home message is just, we're here for you. And, you know, if you, if you want to support, you can follow us on social media at, at the Encore Fund, or you can just Google us. We have a website and stuff. You can find us there. Um, any way that you want to get involved is absolutely appreciated, whether it's through donations or just collaborating in any way that you find, or even just sharing your story. If you want to send an email with your story and just have someone to talk to about it, I am, it's really, it's just me, myself and I running this. So like you're just talking to me and That's you know, I'm no one. So it's, if you just need a quick therapy session through an email, I am all about it. I'm that not here for so it, you know. That's that's literally <laughs> me. I find that so funny when you're like doing something on your own and it's like, I don't know, like I always be like, here on the hot how Come podcast, like here, Romy is reading every like it's just me. <laughs> like it's a solo <laughs> venture. Yeah, it's um, just me. It's just me. I'm like, like, I don't even know. Like I so I just make myself laugh when I like write captions and it's like, I don't I I don't even don't even ask I have but it's funny like when you're doing something and I'm like yeah. imagining I've got this big team like someone's answering the email someone's answering the insta dm someone's posting this oh my yeah. god yeah I'm like I'm so flattered that you think I'm so official that's so nice that oh, you think thanks. I have a team of people <laughs> oh it makes me laugh um I will leave all those yeah. linked below in the description um for anyone who's interested to check it out I think I mean I highly recommend checking it out because I mean let's just support each other you know why not there's no harm yeah um the world's a better place when we do exactly um yeah I mean if anyone has any questions there I'm sure also okay to dm you um absolutely yeah and I'll leave your into well yeah what just you can say your instagram handle but i'll also leave it in the link below oh yeah it's just my name this <laughs> <laughs> so, uh shelby wallen all one handle and mm-hmm. as simple as it gets <laughs> easy perfect um yeah perfect i'll leave that all in the description um thank you so much shelby for coming on really enjoy this conversation um yeah thank you for laughing and having me on here no worries (laughs) had a great time nice little tuesday evening podcast we love it um and thanks everyone for listening tuning in you can hear me same time next week thank you so much and yeah speak soon bye Hi, everybody. This is Nathaniel Dahlquist. I am an actor, dancer, and aerialist based in Los Angeles, California, and one of the guests that Rami has had on the Hardcore Podcast. If this podcast has meant something to you, and if you found your experience reflected in the guests that Rami has had on, it would really mean a lot in the spirit of artists helping out other artists if you could leave a review. Because when the podcast gets reviews, it can reach more people. And so if it's been meaningful to you, It would really help Rami send out her message to many, many more people if you could leave a review. And it would mean a great deal to me personally. Thank you so much. You are absolutely the best.